Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we sit down with our very own Dr. Ian Kaplan. He is Hybrid's COO. You might have heard him on previous episodes. And today we have a light but entertaining discussion about some of the recent uh, conversations that are happening in the powerlifting world. Uh, today we have a response to Johnny Candido's uh, latest video where he talks about the new rules and regulations that USAPL is implementing, uh, as well as one of the latest podcasts uh, from King of the Lifts, where they talk about all-time world records and whether or not they matter. So it's our response to... Of course they matter. I'm triggered. <laughs> so it's our response to that. We also introduce our hybrid rating system, uh, which is a, a proposed solution for, for I guess, the issues that we have with the Wilkes formula and with the... Uh, the inconsistency dots. of standards also that, uh, that were brought up uh, for untested federations on that King of the Lift podcast. Yeah. This sort of normalizes all of those uh, deviations from what would be considered the gold standard that is upheld in terms of lifting standards in yeah. the IPF. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you guys want to refute it, we would love for you to have a conversation with Ian. You know where to reach him. He's on Instagram at iankaplan.hybrid. Right? Yeah. Kaplanfitness.hybrid. Kaplanfitness.hybrid. Okay. Sorry. Kaplanfitness.hybrid. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Um, they're the best, honestly. They're amazing. You can get a discount of 10% if you use the code HYBRID in all caps. These guys really know what's up. You know, as athletes, we require the best quality protein, best quality meats. So what they do is that they curate quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies, and they deliver it straight to your door. So if you want to support the show and you want to get the best meat ever, head over to stayclassymeats.com and place your order with the code HYBRID in all caps. As always, screenshot this episode while you're listening to it, post in your story on Instagram, tag Hybrid Unlimited, tag me, tag Steffi, and you'll automatically be entered in a contest to potentially win the latest drop from Hybrid Legacy. So if you want the coolest lifting, streetwear, crossover wear, whatever you want to wear it for stuff uh, on the market, uh, that's a simple way to possibly get it all for free. So definitely check that out. And I think that's all the housekeeping we have to do. So sit back and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Yep. Hi. What's up? How you doing? We got uh, got some stuff to talk about again today in the powerlifting world. Candido's gone ahead again, and he's just on a roll with these like viral videos that that get all the uh, powerlifting nerds hot and bothered. Johnny Candido. <laughs> Johnny Candido. So he came out and said this time that he's. Basically boycotting yeah, USAPL nationals, which for somebody who has been USAPL like all the way, supported constantly, like one of their biggest fans, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Now, do you know why? No. Okay. So basically the USAPL rolled out this new thing where you can now buy a lifetime membership for like $2,400 or something like that, okay? It's a lifetime membership. And the perk of the lifetime membership is you automatically qualify 
for nationals if you buy this membership. You could have never done a powerlifting meet in your life and you buy this. Your squat is the bar. Your bench is the bar and your deadlift is the bar. Is this like a made up decision? What do you mean? Is this already been allowed? Yep. Yeah. You can go buy it right now. I mean, I think think anyone with more than one brain cell can agree that that's ridiculous. Of course, it's ridiculous. I mean, we've seen some pretty ridiculous things happen, both powerlifting and weightlifting in terms of qualifying standards. But the thing that I find most ridiculous about this is not only does this automatically qualify you for, for nationals, but nationals has a set number of people that can qualify and it's first come first serve. So let's say the top 10 guys or sorry, the top five guys automatically qualify. So they're in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everyone who buys this qualifies. They're automatically in everybody else is first come first serve. So if an unlimited number of people just buy these before the rest of the top 10, 20, 30 people sign up, then you're going to have the top five guys in each weight class. And then all of these people who just bought lifetime memberships essentially is what could happen. So that's obviously a huge problem because nationals is supposed to be the most elite competition that happens in the country. And now what? And now it's going to be a bunch of people who bought lifetime memberships. Now the second. (laughs) That's so ridiculous, dude. It it is ridiculous. And the top five who who automatically qualify as as well. So the thing that's most or not maybe it's actually might be even more ridiculous is that in order for you to break even on this membership based on the membership price, it's something like 44.5 years. You'd have to be actively competing in the USAPL. And I don't know anybody who's been actively competing in powerlifting for 44.5 years, let alone in the USAPL where you are, where you can't take performance enhancing drugs. I mean, I don't know that Yo, many Jen, people. Jen Thompson probably is not far from that. No, she's in her forties. <laughs> you <laughs> <Exactly>. know, <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. She's, she's been competing since. Since when? Back I can, then, I, I'm sure we can look it up, but I, I bet you it's, I bet you it's less than ten years even that she's been competing. Ten years is a long time in powerlifting. And I look at all the things that you've done in powerlifting. You did them in five years. Yeah. Five years to become one of the best powerlifters of all time. Yeah, nobody's competing for 40 years. Even Ed Cohen, who probably has the longest. He competed for 20 years. Did he? Yeah. And that's amazingly impressive. Yeah, that's crazy. 20 years was enough to get him 70-something all-time world records. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Which leads me to my next point. Uh, I don't know if you saw King of the Lifts did a podcast on. I didn't listen to the podcast, to be fair. But I know that they usually lean towards the IPF. And the title of the podcast was, Do All-Time World Records Even Matter? Now, to me, I'm offended already. (laughs) I'm triggered, certainly. I don't even have an all-time world record. But as somebody who has all-time world records, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, I think it's the only thing that matters. Why? Because there has to be some sort of way, standard, organization, scorekeeping of some sort that allows everybody to be on the same list and everybody to be compared the same way. 
mm-hmm. with it under the same standards, essentially. And sadly, powerlifting is one of those sports that just has way too many federations and way too many variables that haven't that we haven't been able to unify and control. But for now, this is the best that we have. Um, so if we're gonna start being nitpicky about, okay, this is this world record in this federation under this under this conditions, that world record under those conditions, state record, uh, the IPF record, the WRPF record, that whatever. I think it stops. It doesn't carry the same weight as uh, an all-time world record being compared across all weight classes, all federations in the entire world. It just doesn't carry the same weight. So agreed. If it's a world record, it better account for the whole world, yeah. Not just like some niche set of of guidelines, you know. Yeah. And I mean, even beyond that, I have like a ton of respect, obviously, for the IPF. I think that in terms of like quality of competition, whatever they're like, they're the federation to beat right now. Um, however, to me, it's the same as like natural bodybuilding, right? Nobody outside of natural bodybuilding cares about natural bodybuilding, right? Like it's the sad truth. It's the, this is not us taking jobs at anybody, but it's, this is us objectively, objectively dissecting the way that we see people react to the sport of course and and look there's it's just more clear in powerlifting because you have the option of tested versus untested but i mean if we're going to be realistic every sport where there is an advantage to be had by performance enhancing drugs those the top performers in those fields are very likely using performance enhancing drugs Mm -hmm. you know so it's just like Look, all your baseball heroes and football heroes and all those guys, okay? Like, they're they're doing the same thing. So, it's just easier to spot out in in, in sports like powerlifting and bodybuilding because there's actually a little more honesty there where you have a path for either. Mm. So, um, but that said, if you're doing, if you're competing in USAPL or you're competing in uh, natural bodybuilding, there's nothing wrong with it. Just be aware of the fact that you're doing that for you. You know what I mean? Like you're doing it for you because you want to see how far you can go under certain cir- circumstances, but don't expect the rest of the world to necessarily care. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to see the strongest, the fastest, you know, the mm-hmm. biggest, if we're talking about bodybuilding. And that's why, you know, you can you go ask like a, a USAPL lifter, an IPF lifter, who is your favorite untested power lifter? Everybody's got an answer for you. Go ask an untested powerlifter who your favorite IPF lifter is. They'll be like, what's the IPF? <laughs> you know, for the most part, for a lot, for a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. or it's like the IPF is, is just intro to powerlifting mm-hmm. in a lot of senses for people who are competing in untested or pro. Yeah, I don't know. There's like, there's kind of like a, a weird superiority, superiority complex within tested powerlifting. Which, which is interesting because to the, to gen pop, it's the one that gets the less the least amount of attention, right? Mm. Like if you ever look at like some of the sports center, ESPN house of highlights, any of, if powerlifting ever makes it to those pages, it's guys like Larry wheels or Thor does a powerlifting meet or, you know what I mean? It's always those federations that are, are seeing or getting the attention. Yeah. But with all of that said, we actually have somewhat of a solution to this issue that we, that, when did this go live? The rating system cap? Last week at some point. Last week. So 
correct me if I say anything wrong. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to let you dive into all like the nerdy aspects of it. Okay. But as a broad overview, this ranks people based on the conditions that they compete in, but all on the same list. Yeah. So like IPF, like IPF, if it's just a, a federation with good standards, bad standards, if you're competing raw, if you're competing in wraps, it's ranking you mm-hmm. relative to how good you are in the conditions that you compete in. Yeah. I mean, you know, stepping away even from the fact that conditions are different in different equipment divisions and um, federations, I think I talked about in the last podcast, there's a very simple analogy if powerlifters know anything about football. It's like you don't need to, you don't, an SEC team doesn't need to play a, a Big Ten team to be ranked against that team, uh-huh. right? It's the same concept, right? You you can rank those those teams against each other in one common ranking system based on games they've mutually, they've mutual opponents, right? Right. And that the degree, you know, you can basically, you can have an arbitrarily large amount of mutual opponents, right? So you can have an opponent to play, an opponent to play, an opponent to play, that opponent, and then you can use the score differential to make some judgment about how good one team is relative versus the other, or some prediction about how one team would do if they played the other one, even if they never did. So that's all that thing is doing, which is a, which is a, which is a productive way to rank teams. It performs really well and it makes sense in powerlifting because the powerlifting is just a game. Right. Right. And when two lifters show up to the same equipment division in the same federation, they're competing on roughly equal terms. Right. So you want to see how good they perform in those circumstances right so for this list to make sense then you need people who have crossed over from multiple categories yes well in this case it'd be uh, equipment division and and, or federation right which seeing as there's been like open powerlifting ranks thousands Mm. of people Mm. in all of the different categories and and especially outside of the ipf people are competing in multiple federations Mm -hmm. it makes it pretty easy to yeah you don't need that many you don't need that many people for it to be valid and also the fact that you can easily pull the top thousand totals um, that are validated by open powerlifting makes it really easy. Yeah. I mean, and that's awesome. I, I think this this solves the issue and I think it's actually really good for IPF lifters because every IPF lifter, or I guess the argument would be like, you know, someone looks at a guy like Ray Williams, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's debate about whether or not a guy of that level takes BEDs or not. Mm-hmm. But let's assume that he doesn't because he's competing mm-hmm. in a tested federation. Everyone's like, well, if Ray Williams took performance enhancing drugs, how well would he stack up against the guys who are also doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing that the totals you're putting in are in a tested federation. Yeah. Now you can see, right. which is really cool, right? You can go to mail, you can go to all time, and there you go. Boom, Ray Williams is number three. Mm-hmm. Right, and the score, the hybrid rating that we give is essentially like the number of Wilkes, the the, the, the Wilkes differential between them and the next person, right? And it's kind of the total number of Wilkes points they would get over the over the last person ranked, right? Very cool. Um, I mean, and, and just looking like without without diving into like the code of it or understanding that like i can look at it and mm-hmm. see what makes sense to me like this makes sense yuri belkin number for men at least mm-hmm. men all time yuri belkin number one mm-hmm. that guy whose name i can't pronounce but who i know who he is number mm-hmm. two <laughs> ray williams three and there's a nice little trophy for number one i like that a badging yeah people like that yeah we um, might come up with silver and bronze badges too <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and it's cool. <laughs> Look, you see guys, there's IPF guys here who are in the top, uh, top 20 and maybe ones that I'm not familiar with that are even in the top 10 here, but like you got Taylor Atwood coming in at number 12 and then you have like this is pretty normalizing too. Larry Williams 20th, you know, like this list makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's really cool. And right. you can go by season, which you, you are actually talking about some of the limitations of season, which I want mm-hmm. to dive into. Yeah. But I think that um, that's pretty cool. So how does the this season setting work? Oh, the season just picks a date when the total was um, created or logged, essentially, or when the, or when Open Power thing thinks that total was was entered, which I, which is the meet date. Yeah, so we're kind of trusting open powerlifting with all that, which I think is a good move. I think they've right? done a great job. Yeah, yeah. So, so whenever open powerlifting says that that total was was entered, that is that qualifies as within a season, and the season right now was kind of just set at at the year. Um, so January first started a new season. Um, so there's just two filters. The idea is if the total was was created this year, it, it it's in a pool of totals created this year. If it was, and then there's another pool of totals that's all time and the same algorithm runs against those two pools of totals and creates two different lists. So the idea is you have a running this season, uh, right. You know, uh, ranking system because it makes it more accessible and this and then it's a bit of a race as opposed to only talking about all time rankings, mm-hmm. which is harder to move. Um, and, right. and, and powerlifting so weird yeah. that we yeah. care so much about that. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. it's like nobody there, else talks about, there's that. always a talk of like, who's the greatest player of all time or best dynasty of all time, right? When people talk about like Jordan and the Bulls mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever sort of sports team but, run. Right, we don't give cash prizes based on that, right? Right. <laughs> that would be super weird. Yeah. But in powerlifting, we're, we're so obsessed with that kind of stuff. I think it's a better, healthier, and more progressive way to rank lifters based on who's doing the best right now in the world. It's literally how every other sport works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the lack of a... Uh, of the single world championship or the single thing that everyone looks to because right. there's no seat, right? It's as if like the PGA tour, like there's no tour. It's as if the PGA tour only cared about course records. And right. They, it makes no sense. Yeah. Right. You accumulate points over a tour. It's also like formula one. If they only cared about the best driver, well, it's like the cars were different 20 years ago. Right. You know? Um, well, so yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and the science around training has changed yeah. exponentially. The, yeah. you know, if you're talking on tested PDs of the, and people's understanding of it has changed a ton. Mm. Uh, even equipment has changed. Mm. Uh, you know, back, back in the day, there was no deadlift bar. There was no squat bar. We just lifted on a power bar. Yeah. Even the rules of competition changed, you know, when Ed Cohn was setting records back yeah. in his day, they had an ascending barbell. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like in how powerlifting meets were run today, where there's like a flight and everyone does attempt one and everyone mm-hmm. does attempt two. In, back in his day, it was like weightlifting. So if your first attempt is, you know, 250 kilos in a deadlift and your second attempt is 255, you might be following yourself on like a two minute clock, mm. which in powerlifting sounds crazy, but I, you adapt to the, the. Exactly. If you train like that, then it's not a problem. Yeah. So that's one limitation of this thing is that people generally don't have long enough careers where they're consistently performing for you to control against time. And you can't, I didn't even think, you know, I didn't want to create too much complexity where you had some time controlling factor. Right. Right. Cause that would be arbitrary. So it really doesn't adjust for how, you know, totals have generally gone up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Cause this project was inspired by a formula one project that 
tried to account for the effects of car and team, which is which are a lot, right? Yeah. The idea is the cars are totally different. It's like, how can you rank drivers against each other? It was like, you only compare drivers who have competed in exactly the same car because each team has two cars that are exactly the same. And you see, like, basically in their time trials, like, what their different times are. And then when they go to another team, you see how well they did against that driver. And then you can build a, a tree of comparisons. And then you can say, okay, we think this driver is better than this driver. And also they, they generally compete long enough where you can say, okay, this driver at the beginning of his career raced in this car. This, at the end of his career, he raced in this car, which was a much better car. And he, comp- and he had this you know, time differential in this pool of prime trials. And now we can get some assessment of how good he is relative to the drivers he's competed against. How common and, is that in racing, just as an aside, what? For, for racers to switch teams like that? It's pretty frequent. Really? It's the, especially in Formula One, there's only 20 drivers. It's really competitive. And there's a handful, like the best drivers have long careers, but there's a lot of movement in the two cars. Wow. Um, so like, and and they're just like, you know, they're short contracts. They're moving around. They're, you know, they're moving, they're moving to better teams. They're, move, they're, they're getting dropped down to worse teams because there's very clear tiers in the teams based on how much money they have and how good the cars are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mercedes and Ferrari are really, really good. And Williams is terrible right now, that kind of stuff. Um, and for like how much money they have, how much money they pay the driver. It's like, it's kind of like baseball. It's like you pay for great players with, with a huge budget or you have a ragtag, barely major league, small market team. Right. Right. Um, but that, that whole system did um, actually put Ayrton Senna at the top who raced in the 80s and early 90s, which is interesting because he was so good <laughs> compared to everyone else in a car that wasn't that great. Right. It actually wasn't the best car and he actually isn't the winningest driver ever. But that system rated him the best driver ever. So you can look up Formula One fastest driver. It's an interesting project. It's like it's an AWS Formula One well, that's little cool. project. Because there's a lot there's a lot of considerations that go into that. Okay. I want to take a second here just to give another shout out to our sponsor, State Classy Meats. These guys, we've been using them for quite some time now, actually, long before they were uh, a sponsor on the show, and they make some of the best stuff that I have ever had. And unlike a lot of meat companies that keep it pretty basic, you can have freaking Wagyu burgers, tomahawk steaks, you can think of it, they have it, and that can arrive straight to your door. Uh, Stay classy, sources from ranchers who are for the animals, which means they allow the animals to graze in a stress-free environment. And if you know anything about hunting or uh, eating meat in general, that is super important to the quality and the taste of the meat. Stay Classy is also committed to keeping their meat hormone and antibiotic free. So when you get this meat, you know you're just getting meat. You know exactly what's in it. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their body. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be and the more efficient it will run. They are all about quality, convenience, and small batch. So definitely check these guys out. Like I said, they make the best stuff. Code HYBRID in all caps will get you guys 10% off. So try some bougie burgers, try some other awesome meat, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy a little discount on us. All right, now let's get back to the episode. Thank you guys for listening. What, you, what got you excited about that, watching uh, Ford versus Ferrari? Or one of those? No, there was, there was the Formula One Drive to Survive stuff. Oh, okay. All right. That whole series on Netflix. I mean, this was whatever, six months ago. So whatever, season two. Um, but just, you see all the kind of the, 
the, there's a front office, there's, you know, these huge engineering teams, there's a lot of kind of the drivers have their own kind of skill coaches and teams. It's very interesting. It's a huge kind of enterprise to put together a Formula One team. And, and they take it very, very, very seriously. That's cool. What I love about this the most to me is powerlifting right now is plagued mm -hmm. with poor judging standards mm -hmm. like high squats. Yeah. I think that's the, the most obvious one. Yeah. Like there's some federations where I'm sure people just sign up for those meets because they know they can, they struggle with squat depth. Yeah. And then this is a lenient federation on squat depth. Yeah. But then everyone gets free squats in that federation. So you actually don't earn that many points against them. That's so awesome. Like yeah. that's the best thing. So it's like, okay, go squat high if you want. You're still not going to gain advantage on this ranking list. Yeah. So I, that's that might be the thing I love the most about it because then it just totally eliminates the like argument of, I mean, like it's still a problem for world records if people are beating world records that way. Mm -hmm. But also world records get so much attention that if someone passes a shitty squat or deadlift bench, whatever, uh, and it's a world record, they're going to get the heat for it. And I feel like it's sort of self-correcting in that way anyway, mm -hmm. you know? People don't want to get yelled at by thousands <laughs> of people online. So even though some still get passed, it's like the rate at which lifts lifters are improving in powerlifting is so high and fast right now mm -hmm. that those records are going to get beaten anyways. And people are going to forget about those guys who squatted high mm -hmm. and they'll get beaten by the best lifters in the sport who are generally uh, competing to a high standard because they have to. Because all the eyeballs are on them all the time. Should there be video review at high level meets? Uh, I think there there should be for sure. I've always but, had that. Yeah, like that seems like a really easy thing to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just to watch like a, a replay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. So I I don't know what the problem is with certain federations. If like, I'll give you an example. So the uh, APF was it APF or APA that we used to APA. that we did a couple of meets. APA. APA. Yeah. So they, they threw some meets up in Northern Florida and in terms of like friendly competition environment, it was awesome. Yeah. I used to love those meets. The guy who ran it, his name was Bobby, a super, yeah. super good dude. I, I remember him. Um, and always had good experience there and we always squatted to appropriate depth. So it wasn't an issue for us, but they had a little square mm. that was taped off and it was the only place that you were allowed to film squats from mm -hmm. because you couldn't tell if it was good squat depth or not from that angle because they were concerned about bad squats that get passed going out on the internet and the federation taking heat for it you remember mm -hmm. that but wasn't it that from those angles the, you could see the depth no that it was so, because but that doesn't make much sense because then you're filming all videos from an angle where like you might think they're not good squats and then posting those on the internet but that's what they, they, the angle was from the front where you can't like all squats look high. Yeah. So the point was they would be able to say, like it was very clear. That's why they did it is because even if a high squat get pa got passed, they could say, well, all squats look high from that angle. You can't really tell. Yeah. So they had plausible deniability. Right. Yeah. But like, that's an example of a federation who is, who knows that high squats are getting passed in their federation. Yeah. Who's now made a rule to basically help high squats get passed. And I don't know if that's because one, they just want world records be broken in their federation because they feel it looks better on the federation. Mm -hmm. um, or two, they just like know that it's really tough to get judges and they don't have the money to pay for proper judging. So 
they are just like, well, some crap ones are going to get passed. Yeah, and, I'm, you know, I don't know that this might be like uh, an outsider's ignorance, but I feel like if, if you claim world records and at a meet in the Federation, it, it's relatively easy to set up a camera in a very specific spot. Yeah. And yeah. And film it. So easy. It could be with your phone. Yeah. Yeah. I just think when it, when it comes to world records, that's why we always talk about having certain competitions that are world record approved, certain competitions where you go and you know, you're going to receive a certain standard of judging, you know, you're going to receive, you know, you, you know, there's going to be a very strict standard for judging of whatever lift you're trying to, or whatever world record you're trying to break. So that's why I say like sometimes, you know, I don't know. I think it'll take a long time for everybody in the world to get on the same page as far as what the standards of a competition should be, where should you be to judge the squats or how, what angle you need to film, whatever. But as a lifter, and that's kind of how I've operated, I assume the responsibility of only showing up to meets that have high standards mm -hmm. so that, you know, so that at, at least, you know, I, to me, it makes me feel good to, to know that I'm being held to the highest standard if I'm going to go break a world record, you know? Yeah. It, the problem is when you give that responsibility to individuals, we've seen in all different walks of life, in all different scenarios, if people can find a way to achieve an advantage, they're going to, there's going to be a certain subset of the population who is going to take the opportunity to achieve the advantage, right? So then so, the rule should be that if you're going to break a world record, there's only a certain amount of a certain, certain meets that you can go to do that. There it needs to be in the presence so of, a, of a level two judge. I don't know. There should be like levels to judges where, where you're, where they're flying them and they're getting paid. Yeah. And, you and know they have more experience and whatever. And people talk about that being such a hard thing to achieve, but it's really not, you know, no. look at open powerlifting is light years ahead in terms of, speed technology people who care about it you know all that stuff and they're keeping track of world records do you remember when powerlifting watch was the thing yeah powerlifting watch you had to prove that you had calibrated plates mm -hmm. you had to prove like uh, there's a number of things that were on a checklist that you had to prove like if you if you can force meet directors to send you pictures of or, or video of their plates being weighed and prove that they're calibrated plates yeah then you can definitely force them to take a video from the side <laughs> to see if if the depth is is this, this, this is also the cost of a professional sports organization it's right. like it's like do you know what the nfl is doing on field yeah like yeah just to capture game information right like it's it's enormous amounts of uh, of legwork right you know the nfl has a cio just thinking about how to how to broadcast games i mean there's a whole broadcast component but there's just like how do we how do we capture as much information as possible from the game to improve the game? Right. Right. Um, and that's obviously at, you know, the highest level and the biggest scale, but there's, there's a minimum amount that needs to happen. If, if that organization is going to be a leader in, in that sport or in that field. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. So I feel like if the IPF is, you know, toting themselves as that, then the very least they can do is start recording some videos yeah. on the side. You know what I mean? You're supposed like, to be the gold right. standard. It's like okay. every important meet has quality video of all of the meets. So the NFL has a film library right. that is like the most extensive single film library in history on a single subject next to like World War II. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, but, but I mean that. I mean, that, and for the IPF, it should be pretty easy because yeah. there's only a very small number of international competitions where world records are allowed to be broken. Mm-hmm. So it's like, come on, yeah, pitching for the the thousand dollar camera or whatever you need to stick it on the side to make sure you, you're getting good squat depth. Um, right. But yeah, I think and the Olympic weightlifting is is doing that for the Olympics. Knock on wood that they're still going to happen, mm-hmm. but. Uh, this will be the first Olympics that has a uh, video replay for, um, well, for all areas of the lift mm-hmm. that can be in question. But I think the most important one is for uh, arm bend. Mm-hmm. You see that all the time, right? Like someone will, will beat somebody by one kilo on their third attempt. And, you know, it's so the, soft. Yeah. The, what did the elbow bend? You know, oh, we don't know. It was quick at the moment. Mm-hmm. They don't get to see replay of it. So. That, that's a huge step in the right direction for weightlifting. Mm-hmm. But it amazes me. There's, like in certain countries, there's a ton of money behind Olympic weightlifting. And then also being an Olympic sport, you have the backing of the IOC mm-hmm. and the International Weightlifting Federation. It's crazy to me that it's only taken this long or, or that it has taken this long for them to get it there. Well, there's like a cultural tradition thing. Right. There's that absurd thing in baseball where only the umpire can call balls and strikes, even though you have a computer capture system that knows exactly where the ball was in the batter's box. What's right? That? Like, so everyone is a real, <laughs> great real sports piece about that. Like every single person on earth knows whether it was a ball or a strike, except for the one person who can call a ball or strike. <laughs> right. But <laughs> and, just the. But just the tradition of baseball is like you can't the, the ump can't get the video review from somebody in the booth who has who sees the screen, right? What's the rationale for not making <laughs> a change that definitely improves the sport that that costs them no extra money <laughs> would actually save the money because you could just fire umpires? Well, the umpire still needs to be there, but that that call doesn't need to be made by the umpire. Um, but. I think the rationale is like it ruins home field advantage or something. I don't know exactly what the argument is, but there is a component of like umpires call more calls in favor of the home team. That's very reliably. That sounds like a bad thing. I know, but <laughs> but that's a discriminatory but, but, <laughs> role. Yeah, but fans like to you know feel like they have an influence in the game. Like the same thing in basketball, where oh, they're very loud on free throws, and they're like, "Hey, people!" So it's like a fan buy-in, yeah, issue. Yeah, or it's like people get upset when you change their game, you know, when you take, you know, the humanity out of their game. I don't know. Something absurd. Wow. But the idea is it just, it adds a level of like unpredictable, it's unfairness to the players. Right. Right. I was like, but there's other forces at play when they decide how the rules work. I don't know. There's also a lot of like money and careers at stake though. You think you'd want things to be like buttoned up in a sport that are, that is like financially as financially powerful yeah. as the ML. I think it was the resistance from the empires who are, who have a union. Um, There's an to, empire union. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. The, the, right. Professional sports referees are really interesting clubs. I, um, I did the fitness <laughs> testing for all of the, all of the NHL referees. Uh, years back it's amazing they tell you when you're running it like like just pass them all (laughs) like for real they don't straight up say it but they're like it it was so difficult to get the 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 union the referees union in the nhl to agree to fitness testing (laughs) 
like to do it, like to basically prove that they're capable of actually doing their job properly, <laughs> that like you pretty much, the standards are one so low. And there's some guys who are like, what are the standards? I can't remember. It was so, it was so long ago, but what were the tests? Do you remember? Was it mostly uh, skating tests? No, not, it was all off ice. Oh, that's interesting. It was all off ice. And, uh, and it was, it was cool actually, cause they fly them all in to this one hotel to, uh, all from wherever they live in the different air mainly like in us and canada mm-hmm. uh and provide them food they put them up in this nice hotel and and it's the thing was two days uh of testing that we did um but they're all like you know silly silly like mobility mm. agility there was like a push-up test i think like things like that right? but so just like are clearing them so yeah to work i mean but like i like it there's some guys who are in phenomenal shape for yeah. sure who take it very seriously but there are also guys who are like just completely like just chubsters <laughs> that like i can't believe they can get through a through a hockey like have you seen you, you have to follow the play yeah. everywhere like you're skating as much as the athletes are sometimes sometimes yeah. more uh depending on the position so it's like it's impressive that they can just hold it together to do that, but there must be some guys that are really winded. Yeah. Getting crushed in those games. And it's a long season. It was a similar thing in lacrosse too, but there was some like refs in good shape. Really? And like the higher level you got, the more refs there needed to be on the field. Cause the game is too fast. Like in high school, there's right. two refs in college. There's three in professional. There's four refs. Because wow, they yeah. just they just can't get up that up and down the field because <laughs> the ball moves too fast and it's too big of a field. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, those guys, you know, that's you're playing a soccer match essentially. You're just running around for, yeah. for ninety minutes. Um, but no, we're getting off topic. But that <laughs> <laughs> apparently basketball is a little bit more rigid because they've had some scandals with refs calling games. Well, yeah, you know. they guys have been caught yeah. accepting bribes yeah. to uh, swing games. Yeah, Yeah. Didn't so, one just recently happen, like a year ago? It was a big it, one. It was like a ref who had been accused of it num- a number of times. Yeah, maybe. My memory's fuzzy in that one. But yeah, but they get like external reviews, and they have like a center where they where they evaluate all the calls and everything. But, right. But yeah, but that, that just goes back to the powerlifting thing. That, you know, there's ways to eliminate some of those some of those judgment errors. Right. I was like, why not do it? And especially in sports, it's really easy to do. Yeah. True. You know, True. There's um, I don't want to like go go too long on this one because there's just a few topics that I wanted to talk about. But the three main ones were Candido's thing, Candido's opinion, which is like I think every year the USAPL slash IPF just makes it more and more unbearable to be a part of their federation, and you're starting to see now all these guys who have been IPF purists who who you know, have always said IPF is a gold standard. It's the only one that people should be competing in, blah, blah, blah. Those guys are slowly pulling away from that mindset because it is definitely not a lifters first organization. You know, they like, they, they don't let you, they don't, if your mom or your grandparents come to watch you in a meet in the USAPL, they're not allowed to film you. They'll be removed if they try to record you on their iPhones, you know why? Why? So that USAPL can sell you media packages, packages after and say, 
here's video of your your competition for grandma and grandpa it's like disney world or something it's yeah. insane dude that's, that's but even disney up. world will let you take a photo on your <clears throat> iphone they're not going to escort you out of the thing yeah that's right true. i took pictures with mickey <laughs> you know no, it's like pictures on the ride yeah it's just because it's hard to take pictures of yourself on the ride and it's dangerous you can't have <laughs> you know everyone with their iphones out <laughs> but it you, is still 40 dollars for the picture you know what's weird to me that they have an option yeah like why it's just confusing to me because they also complain about it but they do absolutely nothing about it they continue well, supporting the continue supporting the organization because it's sunk cost fallacy yeah they're like they've spent their entire lives convincing themselves and others that it's the best federation so but now some cost fallacy to what like what are they what do they have to lose it's not like they've well they've spent their whole careers of powerlifting supporting this organization right now stepping away from this organization is an admission that they were wrong that they're like now they have to be like oh damn it's not that they were actually- wrong i think like the ipf has <clears throat> has continued to make decisions that negatively impact the lifters so it the federation today is not the same as it was five years ago. Yeah, I agree with you. So it's not like they're changing their minds is that actually the IPF changed their minds and has put up new rules that are detrimental to the lifters. Yeah. I mean, if I personally, and obviously I'm not telling anybody what to do, but if I was in that situation and actually it's happened to me, like I've stopped competing at certain meets because I don't agree with the decisions that have been made, or I don't agree with the way that certain uh, meet directors have run meets, and I've removed myself from it. I'm not going to support somebody or an organization that is not doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think also there's the the uh, aspect of just the fact that it being the most rigid testing, like they have WADA and USADA testing in USAPL and IPF, so they it's the hardest federation for people to take drugs in and get away with it so but who is it who are they competing for if it's look if it's just for them if it's just you're they're competing for themselves right or who are they competing for uh i think that a lot of people there's there's a a large amount of people who just don't want to ever take drugs yeah and that's fine they don't have to take drugs they can compete usba Tested. And then never win and never get any recognition. And, you know, they never, they'll never be a Dan Green or a Larry Wheels or, a, you know, some of these guys who have the fame and recognition in the sport. You know? I think it'd be the same. I don't think. And then you also lose that ability to say, like, for example, some of my, there are, some of my favorite lifters are actually USAPL lifters like Russell or he, I, lo- I love watching Russ lift. He's a freak of nature, huh. but imagine Russ goes to, uh, an untested federation now he loses all plausible deniability he can say i don't take drugs but people already question him being in that in a federation that tests heavily and now he's going to go here and be like yeah i'm not on drugs so what what's the you? difference people are already doubting you and when he competes in tested federation because you can with your actions show that you're supporting clean sport by competing in a clean sport federation whereas now if you just say screw it you know, you look at John Hack. So, right? okay, cool. John We're Hack. talking about the people who are at the top. What about the people who are not at the top? Why do they continue going? If to you're use? not at the top, who cares? Do it. That's what I'm want. saying. Yeah. But those people still complain and still continue going to to that to those meets. Yeah, I, I think. So, what's the point? I think there's a lot of powerlifting nerds out there who just do whatever their idols are doing and support the beliefs that their idols have, 
And if those are guys like mm-hmm. like Russ or like uh, Brett Gibbs or, you know, all those guys who are very for the IPF, they're just going to follow in their footsteps. But like I said, you're seeing some of those guys peel off now, like Candido mm-hmm. and you guys yeah. are just getting fed up with the rules and regulations of the Federation. So maybe maybe that will change. Everybody needs a team. Power yeah. thing is a, is a team sport without a team. Yeah. You, your team is your Federation, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Or just the general tested versus untested. Those are the two teams, right? Yeah. Well, but now, like I, like we said, the solution to that we might have here with the hybrid rating system. If you guys want to uh, check out your rating, if you're in the top 100, this is an elite rating system. So the top 100 people. If you if you think you're in the top 100, if, if yeah, you, you want to find know, out. Yeah, if you don't know if you're in the top 100, you're probably not in the top 100. But if you want to check it out, it's <laughs> ratings.hybridperformancemethod.com. Uh, you can go see. You can see all time. So anyone who's ever put in a total uh, is eligible to be in the all-time ranking in terms of this season, how it's set up right now is by year. So if you uh, have competed this season since January 1st and you want to know if you're the top 100 uh, for this year, go check that out. Also ranks by male and female, and you can search by name. So check that out again. It's ratings.hybridperformancemethod.com. If you want to email me and tell me why it's terrible, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, if you want to email Cap, uh, he is always looking for ways to improve, and he cannot be offended. So um, you can email him. Also, put your email down in the little submit form in the bottom. You know, yeah, if you scroll down to bits. the bottom here, there you can be kept up to date um, about what's going on with this site and the rankings, and if they change or if they're adjusted to be even more uh, helpful and accurate. Um, Definitely check it out and email Cap your Ian Kaplan at hyperperformancemethod.com if yes. you want to bother him about the site. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you've, uh, I think it's really cool. I think it provides a lot of solutions that uh, that are needed in the current powerlifting landscape. Um, if you want to check out any of our training programs or nutrition programs, it's at hybridperformancemethod.com. Uh, check us out on Instagram at hybridperformancemethod, and the links to all of the other verticals of the business are linked off of that Instagram. Um, as far as apparel goes, you can check us out at hybridlegacybrand.com. And I think that's all for today. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.